0: Everybody, welcome to the podcast. It may interest you to know. I'm Tony and Marcolini. And today we have a very special guest, uh, Barry Livingston. Uh, longtime actor, has been in the field for uh for as long as I can certainly remember. And he's been involved in so many great projects. I'm really looking forward to digging into some of them today. So, welcome, Barry.
1: Hey, thank you. Good to be here.
0: Well, I don't, I don't. I know everybody wants to know really about you know my three sons, and I and I want to get there, but I don't want to start there because there's so many other things that you've been involved with uh, that I, I think are sort of interesting and cool, and I was hoping to touch upon. Great. So, like early on in your career, before you you kind of get. I don't want to call it steady, that doesn't maybe sound right, but steady work, you know, on My Three Sons. You certainly did a bunch of different guest appearances on other TV shows. Um, and even after, you certainly were involved. And it involved in a, with a lot of different, I, I mean, iconic people. I want to talk a little bit about your your appearance on Here's Lucy. Uh-huh. Right. So getting the opportunity to work with Lucille Ball, I mean, right. wow. Uh, can you tell us what that was like?
1: Uh, well, you know, she was an idol of mine as a kid uh, from, you know, from I Love Lucy, which was, the, you know, I think the best of the three series that she did. He uh, was what? Here's Lucy, The Lucy Show, and I Love Lucy. But we, I was already under contract to... Uh, to the people at My Three Sons playing the kid next door. So I was on her lot, the Desi Lou Studios. And I used to see her all the time, you know, and uh, and uh, my first encounter with Lucy was just riding my bike around the studio. And then one day, you know, I saw her tearing by in her golf cart, you know, going much faster than she should have. Uh, and she just went, hey, Barry. And I thought, oh my God, you know, <laughs> I crashed my bike that she, she knew my name and, uh that kind of stunned me, because uh, I, you know, i I'd, I'd been working pretty regularly. I was on the Aussie and Harriet show and did sixteen episodes of that and a few movies. So you know, in retrospect, I I kind of get she knew who I was, but at the moment that I heard my name falling out of her, her mouth, I uh, was really shocked. But yeah, that you know, and then she requested me to to do uh, a couple episodes, and I guess the most famous one was a. Uh, i where I, she gave me a mohawk uh you know I was playing uh Gail Gordon was a regular on on the Lucy show, and it was her boss, and I was his son, and she was trying to prove her you know her frugality or whatever, and you know to giving self haircuts and it, of course it went hysterically wrong uh and uh but you know that it was all good, it was a lot of fun,
0: you remember. The first scene you did with her, like, the, I mean, the, you're young. I mean, you're you're a boy for all intents and purposes, right? Uh, and they say action, right? You're filming a scene with Lucille Ball. I mean, what did the magnitude of that hit you? Well,
1: I, you know, dare I say it, I was already pretty experienced at that point. So, uh, I, you know, it was it was not like I just walked in off the street and suddenly was like staring at Lucille Ball. Uh, you know, like I say, I, I'd done a few movies one with Debbie Reynolds called My Six Loves and Jackie Gleason and Aaron Boy with Jerry Lewis and and a bunch of episodes on other shows. So you know, I mean, I was I was savvy and I was uh, prepared. Nonetheless, it was Lucy, and uh, you know, and 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 again, I was I got to see Lucy behind the scenes. You know, most people see the television persona of the zany, crazy. You know, she was a she was a tough lady. You know, she was. Uh, you know, maybe one of the first, certainly, executives in television that really ran the ship and, uh, and you know, was was no wilting flower if things that she thought were, were being overlooked. Uh, she, she, you know, she was pretty, very vocal, let's put it that way, about things. So I, I, I'd already had a week of working with her. Uh, and then, you know, when we shot our scene, it was very funny. She was great. And I was pretty good, too.
0: Well, it's a perfect segue, but I want to talk about some of the things you just said. Uh, you did get an opportunity to work with Jerry Lewis and, mm-hmm. and Jackie Gleason. So can we talk a little bit about that?
1: Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, Jerry I Lewis mean, was, uh, again, another childhood idol at that point. This is early 60s, maybe 60, 60, 61. And I he shot a film with him called The Aaron Boy. And uh, I guess it's become kind of an iconic uh, scene in that movie of the little kids who come into the studio commissary or the candy store and make him go up and down a ladder, f- you know, getting jelly beans. And, and it it is, it's a funny little sketch. And it, and oddly, you know, it goes on and on. I watched it not too long ago. And, you know, everybody's now, you know, so concerned about pace and everything. But it was very, like a very well laid out, structured Comedic sketch, and it, it must have seemed like it went on for ten minutes, but you know, had very little to do with the plot, other than it was a funny little little sketch that he put into it. Uh, and Jackie Gleason, you know, I I I recall him just sort of being very jolly. I think inebriated, but uh, you know, he was a big presence. And again, I loved him from the Honeymooners. So you know, both those jobs are great.
0: Well, I'm curious. These three very f- funny actors, uh, right, Lucille Ball, uh, Jerry Lewis, and uh, Jackie Gleason, they're known for their comedy. Were they funny off camera?
1: Um, you know, no, they were very serious, actually, you know, I mean. Uh, That's interesting. You know, they were they were craftsmen and they were, you know, they had a lot of weight on their shoulders to, you know, to deliver a product to the studio uh, that fulfilled you know, everyone's expectations of being, you know, a, a big hit and make it funny, and they were funny guys. I don't recall them uh, at all being, you know, li- like making jokes and making people laugh. I think they were very much focused on making, when they got in front of the camera, that was a different thing. But but to work with these people, um, you know, it's, it's they were serious artists. And, uh, and, you know, I mean, Gleason was a little less less uh uh you know he was just there as an actor so you know but jerry lewis was producing and writing and starring and lucy was doing the same so they were they were much more um you know focused on the work i thought
0: and you 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 have an interaction with paul newman as well don't you
1: uh yes yeah no, you're going way way back okay uh that's a great well,
0: story though <laughs>
1: Uh it was the first job I ever had and I was cast as his son as was my brother Stan who became Chip also on my three sons we were both cast on that and I was uh wearing glasses no actually I wasn't wearing glasses the story <laughs> I wasn't wearing glasses and uh at when I was cast and then In the middle of shooting, I was having some issues with focusing my eyes on on a television, and the director was losing his mind because he thought I was looking somewhere around the set. But my eyes just started to cross, literally, like, you know, it was noticeable when I was working. And he was getting more and more upset. And Paul Newman, who was in the scene with us, he played our dad, and he's supposed to be coming home from work. And Stan and I were sitting on a sofa, and we're supposed to ignore him. supposed to just stare at the TV, and that's... You know, that's what the director wanted us to do, but it looked like I wasn't. And he was getting more and more upset with me. Uh, and Paul just kind of intervened and said, oh, you know, come on. You know, he's, he's a little kid. I was five years old, I think. And he said, I'm going to get me a puppet. You know, we got the establishing shot. You see me coming through the door and saying hi to the boys and they ignore me. And now, you know, you, you go to the close-up of the kids. So, uh, so yeah, they. he got inside of one of those old television boxes, you know, from the 50s that... Uh, as big as a refrigerator and you know somebody gave him a puppet and he started waving at me trying to thinking you know they keep my attention where it's supposed to be on the screen or on the, on the tv but even that didn't work you know and then they realized i had a problem with my eyes uh and they took me to a hospital directly to the from from uh oh, from the set, thinking i maybe i was having a seizure or something came back a day or so later with glasses because they said this kid needs glasses he's got an astigmatism and so the producers fired me pretty much on the spot. Um, you know, they just said, well, you know, that's not how we cast this role. And uh, we don't think uh, it fits the character of, you know, Paul Newman's son and all that. So I was uh, <laughs> escorted to a vehicle that sped me off the lot pronto. And uh, so that was my welcome to show business uh, story.
0: Wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, you were you're on the Dick Van Dyke show, too.
1: Yeah. Yeah, How, uh, what was
0: that like? I mean, Dick Van Dyke, Mary Tyler Moore, again. Uh,
1: yeah, funny, you know. But again, he was—he's a serious guy, you know. Offs, uh, you know, he could be funny on screen, but he, uh, you know, um, he was just doing his thing. We—he was, you know. I mean, we were the ones that actually sort of got in trouble with me and his son Richie and another kid, and he brings us in. Richie does to see his dad sleeping in these very funny leopard skin pajamas or something, and. Anyway, we started laughing. You know, we weren't supposed to laugh. We were supposed to, you know, covers come down and Dick is laying there asleep in these wild pajamas, and we were just supposed to go, oh, oh, you know, wow. But instead, we started laughing, <laughs> which uh, giggles. And the the director Carl Reiner came out and kind of gave us a mild tongue lashing and told us to be, you know, get professional, you know. And so we, we eventually got it. But Dick was very patient. He was really sweet.
0: Mary Moore as well. I assume that you got to meet her.
1: Met her. Didn't work with her though. But you know, yeah, just Dick.
0: What was that set like? I mean,
1: again, you know, when you're a kid, you're in school most of the time. They, you know, they bring you out, you know, for the rehearsal. They bring you out to shoot it. You don't hang out on a set much when you're when you're a minor. You're usually uh, in studio school, and so, um, so yeah, it seemed all right. I don't know.
0: That's. I mean that's a, a huge opportunity right when you're the that age uh and you are literally on a show that people are watching in their homes every you know every night i mean mm-hmm. did the power of that resonate with you at that age
1: uh, not really i mean you know i mean by that point it was uh you know it was a, it was work and it was very uh it was fun and of course it, it elevated you your status as a you know, among your friends and your family, we're all kind of uh, stunned that suddenly this weird little little child in the family is on television. And that was a big thing back in the 60s. It's a big thing now. But but I guess when, you know, when 25, 30 million people would tune in to watch a show, which that was kind of normal back in that day of a hit series, uh, it was a, you know, it was a pretty big deal. And, yeah, you couldn't help but notice it was, uh, you know, that it was kind of a nice a nice little perk uh but yeah you know i i didn't think too much about it really
0: you got an opportunity to work with elvis too
1: no i didn't work with elvis i was shooting my six loves with debbie reynolds on at the paramount lot and uh and i came out you know again i had spare time you know you do your three hours of school and then you got a lot of time and a lot of energy as a kid and i had my bike i guess then and i was just riding around and i came across a limousine that was idling outside of a sound stage and uh the door was open and you know i would never had seen anything quite that uh luxurious the it was you know beautiful interior all white leather and white furry rock carpeting gold trim cabinetry and a tv uh that blew me away you know in 61 62 a portable tv and a car was was pretty unique and then, then he came out and saw me peeking into the car, and uh, and then he uh, again it, it's only dawned on me recently <laughs> I don't know why because he invited me to go for a ride around the lot his car had just been customized by Chuck Barris his limo, and I you know you tell people that and I just kind of thought wow this sounds kind of pervy this old guy you know older guy inviting a little kid to go but I'm sure he recognized me from the Aussie and Harriet show. And I don't know why that's just never kicked in until recently. But, you know, because he, he knew Rick and he, you know, I think he was a big fan of the Ozzie and Harriet show. So he, you know, obviously knew I was an actor. He wasn't just some kid wandering around the studio. And, uh, yeah, so, you know, we just had a, like a little five, ten minute spin around the studio a lot. And he tested all the buttons and turned on the TV and we watched Popeye and uh, came back to where we started. And he went his way and I went mine.
0: How many people can say they watch popeye with elvis <laughs> I mean, not many.
1: yeah i guess not many
0: not many <laughs> and and you were in that movie with debbie reynolds yeah. um and also you know I- iconic by way of actors um
1: yeah remember no,
0: anything particular anything strike you about that opera that, uh, opportunity oh uh,
1: well for? you know the other ad cliff robertson uh, david jansen was in it eileen Heckert. um
0: Okay. all major everybody, all major everybody,
1: people everybody John mcgyver Alice ghostly the the list Percy Kilbride I mean it it just went on and on and on these are old character actors that were very well known uh but uh, Debbie was very sweet she really liked me uh my part kept getting expanded <laughs> she came up to my mother I was told this after the fact uh, and she said to my mom she said you know Barry's very good and she guess he He's got uh, what they call a natural comedic timing. And, uh, you know, coming from her, who was, you know, a a very talented, big, huge star. You know, she might've been the biggest star in Hollywood at that point. Uh, You know, it was a sweet compliment. And she, uh, yeah, she she was very kind to me. And and again, my, I think I was, Sherman was my name, but my gag that they, it wasn't in the script. They kept coming up with bits for me and I was, you know, we were supposed to be runaways, a bunch of orphans that kind of, you know, she took into her house, but she was a big Broadway star. And anyway, but I, I'd never seen indoor plumbing before. That was the gag. So, you know, you'd hear our toilet flush and I would come marching out of the, you know, of the bathroom kind of grinning cause like I was so impressed with indoor plumbing. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it was, that was a good, really good experience and Debbie was fantastic.
0: Eventually, you know, you do wind up on, uh, you know, on My Three Sons, but your brother had been there first, am I correct?
1: Yes, he was cast as Chip in uh, the, you know, pilot was shot in 59 and finally aired in 1960. I came on to it in 63 or 4 as the friend next door. So he, yeah, he was already on it for a few years.
0: And eventually there's some level of uh, shakeup, if you will. I think one of the brothers, they move away and, and you kind of become the third son. I was,
1: you know, conveniently kind of hanging out in the bullpen waiting. Uh, I had no idea. Maybe the studio knew about that and had me there as a backup. Uh, But Tim Considine, who I loved, who played the oldest son originally, Mike, uh, decided he wanted to move on. He just wanted to do some directing and writing and they weren't going to let him do that on on Sons because we had a very unorthodox way of filming. So, uh, you know, he just said, time to go, and his contract was up, and, um, you know, again, then they were like, well, you're going to be the new son, Uh, you know, you're the adopted uh, son, Ernie, but again, when I had to audition for that, when I was just going to be the the kid next door to Chip's friend, uh, I had to go in and audition for it, even though they knew me, you know, I was, again, pretty well known as a child actor, and and hung out on the set a a lot, because my brother was there, so, you know, I was... They all knew me just personally, uh, but I, I still had to go in and audition for the producers and, you know, get get their approval. And uh, and the rest is history.
0: Sure. When you say an, an orth, unorthodox way of filming, I think I read this. Didn't Fred McMurray have like every scene that was in the kitchen for the whole season shot in one block or something like that?
1: Sometimes they would do that, but you would work out of four or five, six scripts a day and just shoot scenes that he was in you know, because, you know, in this story, there's scenes without Fred, but every script had X amount of scenes with Fred in it. They would shoot those first all at once and get his close-up and then move on. Just in a mad rush to get everything with Fred done, because he was only there for maybe a couple months in, you know, out of maybe a seven or eight month schedule. And then he'd come back at the very, he'd do that for about eight, nine weeks. You'd just film exclusively Fred McMurray scenes, and, uh, and then he would go away, and then we would continue filming all the other scenes that he wasn't in, and, and, and you, if you would do a close-up, uh, they would sometimes just do a skipped close-up that they shot maybe two months earlier, but they thought, let's do this close-up now that'll match when they edit. You know, they already had Fred's close-up done months earlier, but now I'm going to do my matching close up and it would be a script girl reading his lines off camera, not Fred, you know, normally actors read their lines off camera for the other actors. So, But then he would come back at the end for maybe about a three week period and just tie up loose ends and that's when we would sometimes just be in the kitchen and just do one close up after another sitting at the dining table, uh, you know, just getting getting matching shots and some stuff that, that with him. So yeah you you could you could eat lunch all day long or for breakfast all day long sometimes
0: now william frawley is in the early years um of the show of course from i love lucy uh yeah. fred yeah uh, and I, I read somewhere that there were i, I want to say pranks uh from on vivian vance from i love lucy is that, uh, uh, yeah.
1: that? you know yeah, that was pretty uh, they were they were not fond of each other uh, from I Love Lucy and, uh, you know, Bill would get Stan and I to collect all these old metal film cans and, uh, you know, and, and when he, <laughs> when the whim hit him and he probably had had a few drinks at lunch, he would, we would get our stash of film cans and The Lucy Show was filming right next door to My Three Sons. We were both working at Lou and uh and he'd hold up in the door and he'd hear a rehearsal, and he'd hear Vivian's voice, you know, somewhere off camera you know on this big sound stage, but he'd he'd listen to hear her voice, and then he'd go throw him and then we'd like frisbee these big you know metallic cans and and then he hit and it' sounded like a bomb going off and then then we would ru- run back to our sound stage and you know and hide
0: out and uh, he
1: thought that was very, very funny
0: we we uh were you guys ever discovered (laughs) uh
1: not that i know of i don't think so i you know we've confessed over the years that i don't know if the powers that be wondered what was going on but uh you know it was it was bill's little prank against vivian
0: so what what was that set what was the set of uh my three sons like for you as a young actor because i know a lot of different young actors uh, start off, of course, in the age bracket that you were in, um, but thing you know, things don't always turn out as well. But what what was that set like? I mean, was there something different from like you think the sets that most child actors experience? Mm,
1: well, we were not treated in any particularly uh, royal way. We were all sort of, you know, actors and working with a guy like Fred, who was a you know a, already a bona fide you know, superstar, big movie star that you know, one of the first guys to come back and do T V on that uh so but it was very you know, he set the tone, you know, he was a kind of a quiet, conservative, reserved guy. And uh there was not a lot of pranks, not a lot of uh you know, not not a lot of discord. Everybody got along really well and um you know the only one that really got away with with swearing a lot was Bill Frawley, uh, but I think uh, Fred had worked with Bill Frawley previously and loved him, and you just accepted him for who he was. And you know we thought he was hysterical when he when he let loose with a string of expletives. We we thought that was the greatest, and. Uh, but you know, but beyond Bill sort of being a little little uh, cantankerous and, and, and pushing the envelope, we all pretty much were, were you know doing our job, happy to be there, um, and again it was a no drama no drama set really.
0: Do you have a favorite episode? And I'm sure you get this question a lot, but I'm just curious because you did so many episodes, both like you said as the next door neighbor, and then you move into being the adopted third son. Um, but do you have a particularly favorite episode oh
1: i guess you know the one with the lion you know there was this silly you know idea that the you know Bryant park which is where we were supposed to be living uh, you know some some zoo you know I, I guess it was the circus had come to town and a lion got loose and and the lion you know comes into uh well, finds its way to the douglas household and and you know and it's a funny little episode and I, you know i mean it, it it was working with a real lion was kind of a oh. fun experience uh it was all drugged up and uh yeah that was that was unusual and then we did one where i think robbie started a bakery business and uh and we uh eventually have a big old-fashioned max senate style pie fight uh so you know as a kid these are that's that's just it's fun you know i i, I were interchangeable practically you know robbie you know gets a flat tire and misses a date and chip you know is, he loses his phone book and can't call a girl you know who cares but you know but when a lion comes or you have a, an old fashioned pie fight those are the things you as a kid you kind of remember those are fun doing
0: sure and you you've been in you know you've been in the acting world you know for uh, since childhood, I mean, is that the the dream in your heart, so to speak? I mean, was there ever a time when you thought, hey, you know what? I'd like to be an architect. Was there ever any other dream that stuck with you?
1: Not really. I mean, no, I mean, I, 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 no, I mean, as I grew older and I, the show ended when uh, I was about 18, and you know, that's about the time you start really getting serious about what am I going to do with my life. And, uh, you know, I was getting some feedback and encouragement from, uh, some people, some of the directors there that they thought, Hey, you know, like Debbie Reynolds said, Hey, the kid's got some pretty good comedy chops. And, and, um, so yes, but it's a, it's an uncertain road, you know, when you get off a series and you're a kid and there's certainly all the pitfalls that occur when you're famous and then no longer famous. (laughs) <laughs> but that didn't bother, I I was not comfortable terribly with uh with being uh pointed out or fawned over or it went to public school so you know that was that was a challenge to grow up uh you know when you're sort of famous and you're and you're in the the big house with all the other inmates uh you're kind of you know a target uh so I but I you know I again I took it serious when I got out of uh Finishing My Three Sons, I said, you know, um, I, I really do think that, that I might give this a try because I did enjoy it, but no guarantees. But the advice to me was get serious. You know, if you're going to really do it, if you want to become a a lifelong uh, actor uh, and and make a living at it, a lot of people call themselves actors, but don't make a living at it, uh, you know, get go study. I went to New York. Um, you know, I did a work on Broadway and off Broadway and um, did a lot of uh, other projects after my three sons, uh, another series for CBS called Sons and Daughters. And so, you know, all those things were little steps fulfilling whatever my dream was that, yeah, maybe I could do this as a, for a career. And here I am, some 50 years later, still doing it.
0: (laughs) I'd like to talk about some of the guest spots you did. Um, on certain shows because i I, I think i think it must have been such an interesting opportunity to get to do some work on on some of these projects so you're on you get a chance to be on two and a half men
1: yeah that's well i mean immediately after the show i did streets of san francisco and ironsides and lucas tanner and a bunch of tv movies you know, that was, that was right after fast forward another 40 years. Yeah, I did, I did Two and a Half Men and Will and Grace and Hot in Cleveland and, you know.
0: Grace Anatomy. You know,
1: Will, Will, uh, West Wing. I mean, you know, I did, I've done a lot of stuff since, since then. And uh, so, yes, uh, working on Two and a Half Men with Charlie was great. Actually, it was funny because his, uh, he one day came up to me. Actually, no, that's not true. I was working with Emilio Estevez, Charlie's brother, on a show called The Guardian, and he came up and he said oh the, the old man says to say hi i thought the old man says to say hi and i had no idea what he's talking about because my dad my dad and i said oh okay all right and he said yeah he one of his first jobs was my you know martin was on my three sons and i was like oh oh really i you know he was a friend of probably one of the older sons so i didn't really have any uh, scenes with him but you know." That was kind of funny, and then Charlie, working with Charlie, uh, I did uh, had a recurring role on Anger Management after he left uh, Two and a Half Men. Uh, so that was, you know, Charlie was great to me. He was really fun. He was, he was good. I like Charlie a lot.
0: What now? I, I want to say it's after uh, two, two and a Half Men. You you did a guest spot on Grey's Anatomy.
1: Yeah, not the biggest role I've ever done. Yeah, you know, I mean that was like pff, one little chief of the hospital or something you know i mean of all the things i've done i did do gray's anatomy uh you know uh it's there you know um hardly something i think is a is a, something i, I, I n- no opinion one way or the other about it.
0: oh yeah and i was just gonna say what was it like to be on set on the set of gray's anatomy right there's a lot of uh
1: yeah i wasn't there long enough to even get a sense of what it was it was one scene and out so yeah, it was, again, it was a good job. I mean, it was a great show. It's still on, for God's sake. So whatever, 18, 20 years later or something. Uh, so, yeah, you know, I was happy to be there, happy to have the paycheck. It was, a, you know, but uh, in terms of, you know, wow, this, this is uh, something that's going to really make my career. I didn't think so. I thought shows like Mad Men and was a, was a better gig, and um, I had a recurring role on Big Love, which I think those were much more interesting challenging parts um but again well, let, let's you know, talk like about it, that like it, that's, that's okay
0: <laughs> <laughs> well let's talk about uh uh big love i guess first right because that that show was a, i want to say slightly controversial yeah yeah right so um uh, what was it like i mean were you uh were you readily into the role like accepting the role as soon as it was presented to you or did you feel as if um you know, you worried about any backlash? I mean, was it, was that even in the back of your mind or or no? No,
1: nah, no. I mean, uh, uh, you know, I, I'm up for a challenge and I'm up for some, um, to be part of something that's challenging work and, and Big Love was sort of groundbreaking and it was, you know, it was, it was about the Mormons and their, and their culture and, um, and, uh, you know, the good and the bad of that. And, and I got to be, uh. Work with some great actors, Bill Paxton and Harry Dean Stanton. I played Harry Dean Stanton's lawyer, because he was the head of the cult. I don't even know if they called it Mormons; probably didn't. I, I forget. But you know, it was based on on on, on Mormons. And uh, but he was the head of you know the church, and uh, and Harry is you know, <laughs> was an, an iconic uh, character actor, great actor, and and. Um, we got on really well you know he he can be kind of a quiet cantankerous guy and i you know but it's it's hard to tell when you come onto a set and you're there and i did three episodes but you know he uh eventually got talking and i said you know i'm i'm probably the one guy on this set here who's been in screen actors guild longer than you and he kind of like hmm, you know what what's that mean cuz he'd been around for a long time and i said i was on this show i said i don't know if you ever watched a show called my three sons and he was like oh. Fred McMurray? i was like yeah 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 so anyway he, it was it was a an icebreaker and uh and it was you know just an opportunity to be you know on a show that was being being highly regarded and as was mad men which was really shot that around the same time. Um, so they were, you know, both gigs are great.
0: What's your creative process like? I mean, because it dawns on me that, um, you know, you're talking about all these different shows, right? And they they all, you're getting a character. Sometimes if you're a guest, I would think you're getting a character for a shorter period of time, right? It's three episodes, two episodes, four episodes, mm-hmm. and some arc. Um, do you have a process by which, you take that paper character and and give give it his I don't know his quirks his, uh, his nuances of, of who mm-hmm. the character is
1: well you know I again I, I've studied I have a little bit of craft that I've you know you bring your craft and you merge that with your imagination and your hopefully some innate uh talent and observations that you acquire in life about people and you know and you try to I mean I, I can't say I'm a method actor I mean I've done some crazy things sometimes to try to, to find my way into a, another person that I'm gonna play What 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 what's their head what are they thinking about what's important to them so you know I go through that process you know of looking at a role and, and trying to find any kind of connection in my life that I think uh, is similar to this person you know I um, and uh, so that's that's very helpful, you know. I mean, I guess they call that in the acting craft substitutions, uh, you know, where you're you're substituting. But it can be cra- it can be crazy, you know. It doesn't have to be spot on. Like, oh, this person, you know, just stole a car. Well, you go. I don't know. I've never stole a car, but I but I remember, you know, going in stealing some bubble gum sometime when I was a kid. You know, okay, you know, hardly the same thing, but nonetheless. The, the, the intention and the, the intrigue and the, you know, the whole thing around it, there's some there's some connection there. Uh, that's a probably a lousy comparison. But nonetheless, that's kind of what you try to do is find things in your own life that connect you to what this character is experiencing.
0: Can we talk a little bit about Notorious?
1: Notorious Nick?
0: Yes, Notorious and, Nick. <laughs>
1: Sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah can, can you feel like the plot of it. Noise. Huh? Can you talk
0: a little about the plot of it?
1: Oh, well, you know, I mean, you're referring to uh, a movie that I did, uh, came out in 2021. Uh, Great story about a guy who was a uh, Nick Newell, who was born with a congenital defect and only had one arm, really, Um, you know, and uh, and anyway, he took a I played his high school wrestling coach, you know, and just to be a wrestler with that with that kind of. Handicap is, is uh, you know, extremely challenging and probably going to lead to not very many happy winning bouts. But nonetheless, he excelled. He really excelled as a as a uh, as a wrestler in high school. And uh, then he got it in his head that he really wanted to get an MMA, which is mixed martial arts. Uh, extremely uh, challenging, brutal, physical, you know, um, fights and so again he was at a real disadvantage not being able to have one you know both arms Um, he tried to pursue his you know get into that world and he was rejected completely because for all the obvious reasons and uh eventually goes back to me as his his wrestling high school coach the only person that kind of understood his talent and uh convinces me to become his trainer and and try to work his way into the mma world um eventually you know he uh he gets some bouts and starts winning and uh, and keeps winning and eventually get a, got a shot at the uh, World Championship. Um, it's a great, uh, inspira- inspiring, um, you know, a guy certainly had a dream and was not gonna give it up no matter how many obstacles or people told him to, you know, get lost and, you know, go do something else. You know, go work at Burger King for God's sake. You know, this, this is a brutal sport. He actually changed the sport because he really, brought wrestling he brought his skills as a wrestler because in mma you can do any you know you can you box, you can karate you can box you can do whatever and so he had a real special skill as a wrestler and so um he actually you know other fighters took note that that you can actually get the upper hand in a fight if you can get him to the mat and and wrestle the guy into submission and choke him out and so it, rather than just a you know just a Pummel the guy with your fists, which that that happens too, and uh, you know, and he was good at that. But his he excelled in his using what he had. You know, he sort of took his his handicap and used it to his advantage. So it's a it's a great. You know, find it on Amazon or Direct TV or Voodoo or. You know, new, just Google it.
0: I Definitely want to, you know, see it. I read the I read the synopsis for it, and I thought, you know, this is this is going to be an inspirational movie. I mean, you get kind of get the chills just reading the, you know, the the, the blurb yeah. for
1: it. Yeah, I mean, it 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 fits into somewhat of a classic mold of Rocky, and you know, the, right. the, the outsider, the guy who's told to you know get off get off that dream, move on, because it's nothing going to be nothing but a heartache for you. Uh, But it's, you know, Cody Christian plays Nick Newell. Cody is uh, on a show called All-American now, and he's a great kid. Kevin Pollack uh, is a great actor. He was uh, in it, and Elizabeth Rome, uh, myself. So, uh, yes, it was, you know, a fantastic experience for me. It was a really kind of a nice, meaty role, and um, really had an opportunity to, to dig in and do some really interesting uh research and uh and it was just a lot of fun and i think the results are really fantastic i think i think people that i know have talked to you know told me they've seen it just love it so well
0: Talk what to- i really like about it too is that you know you, you're highlighting it's not just the story of uh, you know rocky you know who's like overcoming uh you know and What level of adversity do we say Rocky, you know, he doesn't have anybody really in his corner so much in the beginning. Uh, yeah. So sure, there's a certain underdog rising, yeah. you know, rising up the chain. But in here, I think I'm very attracted to the fact that he overcomes a disability,
1: right? right? Yeah. And, there's, yeah. and that's
0: an important, you know, that's an important voice, yes. you know, to, to, to let out into the world. I th- and I, I, just, yeah. I think that's an inspirational story to tell.
1: Yeah, no, I, I think it does resonate in terms of, uh, you know, people who can be relegated to the, you know, the to, to the junk pile just because something occurred in their lives that was a, that was, a, you know, unfortunate circumstance beyond their control. And, yeah, not like Rocky, who was just a, you know, big galoof who never really got his... Training and this and this and that, you know, that's that's a problem, too. But but this is really, you know, physical physical handicap is extremely uh, you know debilitating to, to in, you know, just in terms of pursuing what you want to do in your life and so yes, yeah, so that that I, I was really attracted to in the in the story and you um, you know, Nick is still out there. Nick Newell is still fighting. Uh, you know, I don't know on what level. I know he lives in the the East. He didn't come to the set, which is probably just as well. Uh, and the guy I play, Jeremy Libodziewski, is, is still out there somewhere, who is his wrestling coach and trainer. Uh, and, yes, you know, you're, you are playing a real people. So that, there's a, kind of a special obligation and responsibility to pulling that off, too. Um, and I I'd heard that they liked it you know that's good but beyond that i have never heard anything other than other than they 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 approve which is all you want really
0: you ultimately have written your memoir right Uh mm-hmm. you know not that long ago i want to say it came out um when did you know you wanted to do to do that
1: i just had finished well i've been fortunate to work with david fincher who is probably one of america's greatest living directors um you know, Fight Club, Panic Room. You know, the list goes, listen, Benjamin Button, but I, I <clears throat> had done Zodiac for for David, with, with Robert Downey Jr. And I just had after that a couple of years later, he asked me to be in Social Network, and Social Network was a you know big big hit. And I kind of in my mind, I went, you know, I've kind of hit that point where I think I've come full circle. Uh, you know, very very popular and famous <clears throat> when I was a kid. And, you know, my middle years, I was always working, but, um, you know, the social network had become such a phenomenon, you know, it was really well-received Oscar nominations and and was really kind of at the heist of Facebook's taking over the world. I I thought, well, maybe it's time to sit down and and reflect back on um, where I started from my struggles to to reestablish myself as an actor like an adult actor um you know ups and downs but I always continuously worked but i thought this this was kind of a nice peak (laughs) and uh that was the inspiration that's what got me motivated to kind of go you know and i should do this maybe for my family for my kids to sort of uh, you know recount not just my list of credits of my things that i've done but the moments in my life that that also seemed to push me forward or push me in a certain direction that made me who I am at that point and who I am today. So to combine those two things, um, professional and and personal, uh, just the the markers that I could remember that sort of moved me ahead and and kept me growing as a person. So that was the inspiration, you know, and it it came out pretty well. It's called The Importance of Being Ernie. The Importance of Being Earnest, that's Oscar Wilde, The Importance of Being Ernie.
0: Yeah, I actually just picked it up, so I'm looking forward to reading it. Okay, because um, you can still get it, by the way. Oh, I mean, absolutely, it's definitely yeah. out there. You can still get yeah. it on Amazon and really yeah, any Amazon any Amazon. place. I'm sure Barnes and Noble, any place that you find know, books, you can still get right. it. Yeah. Um, but I think, I think personally, it would be difficult, right, to sit down and have to look at the what is the collection of your life experiences. And to select the most pivotal moments, right, yeah. to include because you, you mean you're not writing the encyclopedia, right? You can't just and 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 th- that I think does it a disservice too. If you try to put everything in, uh, yeah. it just does yeah. the, the story a disservice. Yeah. yeah. So looking for what you know, what are the moments, the pivotal moments that I'm going to write about that really tie this together? Not yeah. an easy task.
1: How long well, it long was, did yeah. Take? yeah, I did. It came pretty quick when establishing what's your voice, what's your, you know, And I read a lot of autobiog- autobiographies. Uh, Kick Me by Paul Feig is a good one. Uh, Gene Wilder's autobiography was really kind of fun. Uh, I read uh, David Sedaris, who sort of writes a lot about his life. And, and in, in kind of a whimsical, humorous sardonic, I don't know what the word is, but but sort of not taking himself too seriously. Uh, and I went, Okay, you know, it's kind of maybe like where I, I would go if I can. And you just you hear that voice in your head that starts talking to you and you go, How would I if I were to tell somebody this story about Elvis? How would I write that? Well, I'm just gonna write it exactly like I told you. And you know, and then you it reading go, well, I'm gonna edit this and make it a little better. So you know that that was because I had I'd written some scripts and things like that, but but writing you know uh, in in a certain kind of nonfiction or fiction is a whole other ballgame. Uh, so that was oh, I think hard. a book
0: is very daunting, right? Because it's so different uh, yeah. than than script writing. I, I think writing a book you need because there's nothing visual, right? You know you can rely upon the visual a lot with the right. script but writing. with the, you know with a the book there's nothing I mean you've got to create the picture by your words yeah,
1: yeah cuz dialogue um, it's all dialogue heavy you know when you're writing a script uh, you know and when you're writing a, a, a an experience and you're fleshing it out and and you go how do we, how do we, where do you start you know where do you start a book even i don't want really to go well i was born in hollywood and blah, blah blah you know and i actually i in my book i start at uh, an autograph show, and it was like you know. I think you know. I thought, okay, this is kind of interesting. And I said, you know, because there was a there's a lot of moments when you do those shows. I don't I don't do them much anymore just because of COVID and all that kind of stuff. But uh, but you you know sometimes you're sitting there for 10, 20, half hour. Nobody's coming up to your table, and you just start looking around. You get your thoughts and you start reflecting on back on your life. I said, okay, well, that's true. I do that, you know, when I'm sitting there waiting for somebody to come up and, and talk to me, and uh, but then, you know, I start, you start looking around, and you go, gosh, you know, this guy's life over here, you know, he he really didn't do much, you know, why? He was a big star over here, and then, you know, looking over that way, and I go, wow, there's Richard Dreyfus, yeah, huge star, one Academy Award-winning guy, and he's here, you know, like I am. And I go, where to where? How did I get here? You know, what, what brought me to this place? What made these this guy over here, you know, an Academy Award winning actor, and this guy over here, you know, he's now a prison guard over in Florida. You know, that's weird, but he, you know, he's still who he was. And that that was sort of the the kickoff to looking back on your life from that point of view that you're, you know, you're going, wow, this is, this is a weird place I'm in. And uh, let me look back and see if I can and make some sense of it. That anyway, that's, that's the start of the book. Uh, but again, you, you know, it, you're right. It, it, you got to pick and choose. You can't just go on and on about stuff. Uh, so I, I think I did it pretty well. I think it's, it's a pretty fun read.
0: So before I let you go, I know we're running out of time, uh, but is there something in particular you're working on now?
1: Uh well yes I just uh I've been actually pretty busy in in the last few months uh this will probably be too late but there's an episode of the Connors uh show that's going to air on the 16th of November so uh of this year uh that's coming up like tomorrow um but I did a couple other shows one called uh, Mrs Davis uh which will be that's Peacock And then I did one, another one, with Brie Larson, who's, you know, Academy Award winning actress. I don't know if they've settled on a title. I know the book that it's from is called Lessons in Chemistry. but They keep calling it 630. I don't know why. (laughs) But whatever. Uh, And then I did a, a, a nice little indie film. Um yeah so uh that's that's out there too but i don't know if they're going to have a name for that yet as well so but anyway those you know those three mrs davis lessons in chemistry um yeah and and the connors uh you know they're they're all kind of in the hopper waiting to come out
0: cool Connors, another cool cool show cool set
1: <laughs> oh man you know i was so over the moon to kind of work with john goodman i mean actually i worked with sarah gilbert in in the scene that i had uh, but just to me, John John Goodman, who I just think is such a great actor and so, such a sweet guy. Uh, you know, I, I kind of went all fanboy on him and had to get a selfie with him. And, uh, yeah, so um, great. Estelle Parsons, actually, another great actress, is making a return to the show tomorrow. Um, and everybody on that show, you know, Laurie Metcalf, it's just a, a real all-star cast. So it was really fun.
0: Can you tell us what uh, anything about your character or no until it's released? Uh, just watch You know, they get upset when yeah.
1: they start revealing things. I don't know. I can tell yeah. you a minute. Uh, <laughs> okay. But, I, you know, uh, yeah, just you got to watch it.
0: It's Fair it's, enough. Yeah. The last question. Christmas is coming up. Um, do you have a special tradition uh, that's important to you or a, any Christmas story that you could share that was either funny or you know heartwarming for you um well the Christmas tradition I don't
1: think we have any Christmas traditions I mean we just celebrate Christmas and uh, and it's always kind of a big thing in my wife's uh, family they they love to like just go way over the, over the board with giving tons and tons of presents mainly because they came from such impoverished Background. It's sweet that you know that they've done very well as as um, you know as in their lives. So they're really happy to want to wanna share some of that. Uh, but uh, now you know, I just like being with the kids. My kids are, are not you know they're adults now, but that's to me what it's all about. You know, it's just all about family and getting together and and um, celebrating uh, your love for each other, and um, that's what we'll be doing.
0: Excellent. Thank you so much for joining me. And I hope that you'll come back as you're doing more projects and talk to me about it. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much for your time. And I'm going to say goodbye from uh, the podcast.
1: All right. Thanks, Tony. Bye. Bye Bye. Thank you.